to take a step back. Paul was writing about how the law made us aware of sin. And in chapter 5, verse 20, he sums it up. And he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So sin came into the world at Adam. The law then exposed the sin. And I gave the analogy last time about the fact that you can drive on a highway, you can drive on a road, and if there are no signs that tell you how fast to go, uh, they can't pull you over and say, oh, you, you were speeding. Really? How did I know that I was speeding? Where, were, where are the signs that tell me that I'm speeding? Oh, well, there are no signs. Oh, well, then I'm not speeding. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, doing what I should be doing, accelerating uh, at all times. And, uh, you know, but when, you know, and, and I see that people drive like that still as if they didn't see the signs. And, uh, but you know what, when we know the signs, when we're given the signs, we're given the law, and when we have that law, now we have the signs of how we should be living. And so in uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, we're told that, moreover, the law entered just for that purpose. It entered so that the offense may abound. You're... you're here, it's the speed limit is 45, you're doing 46. You're, I'm not getting pulled over for 46, you know. Well, no, but God knows that you're doing 46. Don't freak out. <laughs> Don't freak out. Because when you do 46 in a 45, there's grace. <laughs> there's grace. I love that word. You know, see, that's important uh, that we have grace. The, you, you know, when we have struggles in life, we like other people to extend grace to us uh, because it solves a lot of problems. Grace covers sin. And that's why God gives us grace. But listen to what Paul writes then in verse one of chapter six. So what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Shall we sin and keep sinning so that God gives us more grace? Well, that sounds like a good plan. I, I want more grace. So I guess I can just continue living in sin. No, well, no, verse two tells us certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We're dead to sin. I know that that's a hard thing sometimes for us to understand, to recognize, because we don't feel like we're dead to sin. We have sinful desires and thoughts all the time. And so it doesn't feel like we're dead 
to sin. And so we have to challenge ourselves. What does that mean? What does being dead to sin mean? Well, there are some people, first of all, that thought that we are doing God a favor by sinning. Have you ever felt that way? I've never felt that way. But there are some people that do. Back then, especially, they thought, if you sinned, then God was pouring out his grace. And then because God was pouring out his grace, it made him look more loving and more godly. So I want to really show off God's grace. I want to show off how much he loves me. So I'm going to sin more so that people can see how much God loves me and how much grace. You would think that that's how people are living today, right? I mean, you watch the news and it looks like you're relying on God's grace. You, you, you know, I, you're relying a little too much on God's grace. You know, because God's grace is not extended to every person living on the face of the earth. Some people believe that. That God's grace is being extended to everyone. And everyone is receiving God's grace. Everyone is now saved because of the grace of God. You still have to be a child of God. You still have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accept the gift that he has given for yourself. Because there are many people who believe in Jesus, but don't listen to what he has to say. They don't follow what his scriptures tell us. But they're relying on the grace of God. They're relying that we have such a loving and good God that we don't have to worry. We can continue doing what we want. Paul is calling out, this is especially written for Christians. You see, everyone else gets judged by the law. They're going to get judged by what the Ten Commandments say. Here are the Ten Commandments. How did you do? Because since you didn't receive Jesus as your Savior, if you didn't receive the gift that can clear you of your sin, now it's going to be based on what you have done with the law. How well did you do against that? Since everybody kind of knows the law. You know, and the law is already written into the hearts of people in a way. You know, uh, when you're born, you knew. At two years old, I knew what I was not supposed to do. And I did it anyway. Now, I wasn't going to hell because of what I did when I was two. I was going to hell. I apologize. I'm having a, a malfunction here, a technical malfunction. I'm going to fix it here. I apologize. Better. So the thing is I was born into sin. Now, that doesn't mean a two-year-old is going to go to hell because they lied or because they did something to break the law of God. Uh, that's not the fact. As a matter of fact, there's an age of accountability. 
when someone gets to the age where they realize who God is, who they are, and their role in God's plan. They may not know biblically what that means, but they know spiritually. It's in their heart. And so there is that age. What is that age? I don't know. It's depending on that person. There are some people that that age is actually pretty young. You know, 10 years old and and they give their life uh, to Christ. I've seen 8-year-olds and 6-year-olds give their life to Christ. You know, and then I've seen people that are 15 that are still confused about the world and they don't understand and uh, but that's all up to God. We're adults. There are no children in here right now. There may be children watching online, but uh, there are no children in the place right now. And the thing is, is that as we understand as adults what our position is, we have to make a decision of what we believe and how we choose to live. And so we can continue in sin, thinking that grace is going to abound, or we can read what Paul says, certainly not, how shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? In Colossians chapter 3, Paul wrote to the Colossians, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on the things of the earth for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God so our old nature the old person we were is dead And we are new when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We are new creations in Christ. We're different than we were before. And now it should cause us to live differently. It should cause us to act differently. It should cause us even to think differently. The problem is that we're still living in this stinky world. And so we're still influenced by the agenda of the day, the things around us, the things that the news tells us, the things that our friends tell us. I have a bunch of wonderful people in my life that give me advice. And some of it is good because it's from Scripture. And, and I read and I can say, oh, you know what? I agree with that. That's something that I read myself. And now you're just encouraging me with scripture. Some of it is good because that person has dedicated time with the Lord and is sharing something that God impacted their life with. And now they're sharing it with me. That's awesome. And then there are some that are opinions. Everyone has an opinion. And um, 
there are opinions of what they think is going on in the world. And I could take all those opinions and be completely confused about what is really going on in the world. If I, if I put them all and package them all together, uh, they would contradict each other, the opinions, and it wouldn't give me any clear direction. So I have to go back to the truth. I have to go back to obtain clarity from the word of God. And I have to set my mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, because the things of the earth only confuse me over and over again. Verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory... Nope, that's... See, you know what happens. I went back to the other chapter. Now I'm going to go back to where I am here. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So, do you feel dead? Do you feel like you've left that old life behind and it's dead? That's the hard part. We have a a struggle because it's like the walking dead. It wants to come back. It wants to take control of our life again. But we can't let it. We're in control of our lives. You know, the, the dead old person is not in control. So baptism is this picture of that death. When you go under the water in baptism, it signifies the death of the flesh, the old life. And then when you come out of the water, it indicates that we live in newness of life. We are new creatures in Christ when we come out. Now we're living for him. It's changed our attitude towards how we live. It changes our attitude toward the scripture also. When I was unsaved, when I didn't walk with Christ and someone would share scripture with me, it was like, that's good for you. You know, that, that doesn't qualify. That, that was written 2,000 years ago. That was written by men. That was written by someone that didn't have TVs or cell phones or cars or Right? And there are excuses of why Scripture doesn't apply to our lives. But when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, all of a sudden things get a lot clearer. Things make a lot more sense. This week I went to the eye doctor because 
my glasses are fuzzy and I'm not seeing as clear as I was before. And I didn't know if it was medicine I was taking. I didn't know what it was that was causing it. And I go in and they said, oh, you have cataracts. And, you know, I don't even have cats. <laughs> so, and, but I have cataracts. And, and so it's only in one eye. The other eye is clear. So as I'm going through the testing and everything, and they said, what line can you read? You know, and I'm reading the lower line, you know, with my left eye covered. Now he said, all right, cover the right eye and now read. And it's like, I couldn't get past the second line. And it was like, oh, this is not good. He said, oh, yeah, it's just cataracts. I just? <laughs> what do you mean just? See, for him, it's no big deal. Because he knows what it's going to take to fix it. He knows all that is, oh, we're just going to cut your eye open, pull a lens out, put a new one in, and man, you're going you're gonna to be so happy, and, and you're going to be able to see so clearly. Well, that's what Scripture does for us. Scripture, when we start to read it and understand it, when we pray, and we ask the Holy Spirit, Show me what this means to me. Show me how this applies to me. All of a sudden, it's like we got a new lens. And it may not happen at that moment. It may happen a week later when we're out doing something and all of a sudden it's like, this is why I read that scripture. This situation I'm in right now. This person I'm dealing with right now. This is why I read that scripture and this is how it applies. And all of a sudden it's like, bam, the light goes off and we, it makes sense to us. Well, that's why we need to be in the scripture. If we didn't read the scripture in the first place, we wouldn't have that light go off. It wouldn't make sense to us. It would just be like, okay, there's something in that Bible then, you know, John 3.16, one of my favorite verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. One of my favorite verses. If I want to share something with someone and I don't know the right words to share with them, that's, those are the right words. And I can share that with them and they can hear that. Now, they may not believe it, they may not understand it, but I'm going to share it with them, and then they can choose what they're going to do with it. But I'll tell you one thing that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to remind them of that scripture all the time. There are going to be part, points in their life where something's going to happen, and they're going to feel, you know, I, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. Well, it's okay because God loves you and he died for you and you can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And it makes things so much better for them. And they don't, they haven't given their life to Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit drawing them in to hear the rest of what they need to hear. If we're baptized into Christ, we don't continue the sinful living of the past, but we repent and we walk in newness of life. Paul says in 
verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin, which might be done away with, that should no, we should no longer be slaves of sin. Wow. Our body's dead. He's really ramming this thought home. Our body is dead. Knowing that we died with Christ, now we also will get to be part of the resurrection. He gave us that example. He died on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And then he walked around to, he revealed himself to over 500 people. He wasn't going to the unsaved at this point. He was only going to those that were believers, those that were the saved. And as he went to them and shared uh, the good news with them, reminding them of who he is and what he was doing, they were elated. They were encouraged in their walk. But that's an example of what's going to happen for us. Because if we died with Christ, we are going to be resurrected with Christ. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. He died to sin. He didn't sin. So whose sin did he die for? Ours. He died for our sin. Once for all. A lot of people get confused with that. They think that it's an ongoing process of dying and being born and dying and being born and dying. No. We who were dead in our sins, are made alive in Christ one time. And there are some people that say, well, there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. But I believe they're wrong. I believe once we are saved, we can't lose our salvation. We are marked with a seal that we can't see. Don't go looking. Don't try to look at, well, I don't see the seal on my husband. I don't see the seal on my wife. And obviously, they're not saved. You can't see it. It's a, it's a seal that God can see. And we're going to have that until the day of redemption. And then we're going to be redeemed out of here. How do we know when a person is saved? It's not for you to know. I'm sorry, there is nothing. I don't have a certificate of salvation. It's between you and God. Do you know if you're saved? That's the most important thing. If you're saved, you live a different life. If you, if I were to baptize people and I take 
them and I bring them to the water and say, okay, um, we're going to do this baptism and I'm going to pray for you and, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and, and I hold them down and I keep holding them down and, well, you know, they got a lot of sin. So I'm going to hold them down until I make sure it's all gone. Well, yeah, if they die, it's all gone. You know, it's the lifting out of the water that represents the resurrection. It represents coming to life in Christ. And some people get baptized and it doesn't guarantee their salvation. Here, let me give you another example. Marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. They choose to be married. And, uh, you know, I, when I say that, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be on YouTube. <coughs> I got a strike on YouTube because I said something in January of 2021 and they said it contradicts what the WHO says. And so I got a strike against me because of what I said. Last week I got the strike. It was 2021. You know? Uh, I wanted to appeal it just so I can have a human listen to the actual message and, uh, and you know, so maybe they'll get saved. Um, but see, and, and so here today, as I say, marriages between a man and a woman, that could be enough to get another strike. You know, is that crazy? Anyway, marriages between a man and a woman. So when you are married and you exchange rings, the ring does not mean you're married. The ring you exchange doesn't guarantee your marriage. It's the vow that you took. That's how you know you're married. You took vows with each other. And that's where the marriage is founded in, not the rings. The ring is just an outward expression of the fact that I'm married. Here, I'm wearing a ring. But if you get married and take vows, but you choose to, oh, date other women, well, we're not doing anything more than just going out to dinner and we're just doing this and just doing that, um, your marriage is going to suffer. And if you break your marriage vows, then what? Well, she didn't know. He didn't know what I was doing. So is it okay? No, it's not. If you're baptized, you're not doing it because you just want to wear the ring. You're baptized because you recognize that there's a change inside of you. I want to live for Jesus. And so... As a man and a woman commit to the vows of marriage, the bonds of marriage, they do it without thinking, well, I, I also have the freedom 
to do these other things. Well, as a Christian, I have the freedom to sin. But I wouldn't do that just willingly going out and doing that because it isn't right. And it isn't who I am in Christ. And so don't judge someone when you see them doing something sinful. Don't judge them based on that. It could just be a one moment thing, you know, if they're cursing at someone in the store or, or, or if they, you know, are, are speeding on the freeway, cutting you off. Just make sure you don't have a Calvary Chapel Fountain Hill sticker on your car when you do that. And, and you know, it, it's important for us to recognize that we're not the Holy Spirit. If you see someone that's in sin, pray for them. Pray for them. And uh, I'm not going to go off into that uh, deep discussion today because that is a deep discussion. Verse 11 says, um, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall, have, uh, shall not have dominion over you. But you are not under the law under grace. So we are not under the law. We're under grace. And we're supposed to present ourselves to God as instruments in his hands. See, we are inundated with sinful things around us all the time. The world has made it acceptable to watch men dressed as women perform on sh in shows and things that Romans chapter 1 says shouldn't be. It's sinful. It's evil. We read that when we started this study in Romans chapter 1. It's not something that we should be involved in, especially as Christians. Because we know that it's sin. But instead, we should be... Now, that doesn't mean you have to go out anytime you see someone doing something. You don't have to go out there and attack them and yell at them or anything like that. Because you're not going to lead someone to Christ by yelling at them about what they're doing is sin. I'll tell you why. Because I would be in Safeway yelling at every single person walking around. You're in sin! You know? How does that lead anyone to Christ? You know? But here, it's the love of God that leads people to repentance. And so we need to be the example by loving people to Christ. Even people that we hate. We hate the sin. We love the sinner. We love them to Christ by showing the same love that our Heavenly Father has for us 
We demonstrate it by how we talk to them, how we pray for them. We demonstrate love. And that's how people come into a relationship with Jesus. I guarantee you, I didn't come to Jesus, you know, just as soon as I heard it, I said, Ooh, this is it. I found my way. I didn't right away. But I guarantee you, someone was praying for me. And when I heard John 3.16, it registered in my heart. And I knew that this was the truth. And so if you pray for your neighbor, you know the neighbor I'm talking about. The one you love so much. You know, I have neighbors that may not be so lovable. But you know what? We pray for our neighbors because they get to see us as an example. They get to see how we live. And so when they see how we live, they can say there's something different about them. They're not all caught up with what's going on in the world. They're not all frustrated about what's going on in the world. And they have a peace about them. What is that? It's Jesus. And that's the hope that we have. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Now this is a different sin. Verse 1 said, what shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? That is habitual sin. That is living in sin that is habitual. It's something that I do regularly. It, it, it's something that I knowingly am doing on a regular basis. It's like someone having an affair. Affair is such a wonderful word. Being in adultery, it just nails it right where it is. It's adultery. And so someone committing adultery and they continue in that relationship, in that adulterous relationship, that's what verse 1 was talking about. Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Oh yeah, I'm sinning, but God, you know, he forgives me. No. He said, certainly not. How shall we who are forgiven live in sin anymore? And now here we see, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. This is the occasional sin. This is the sin where we act poorly. Where we act sinful in a fit of anger, frustration, rage, that kind of thing, should we allow that to be part of our life? No, we shouldn't. Even if it's reasonable. Sometimes people will offend us to such a point where we just want to punch them in the nose. Right? And we let them know. We're not happy and guard your nose because I'm coming in. And, and we can let them know in many ways. They, they will know that we are upset. But that is sinful. And we don't need to respond that way. So we need to back off. And we need to 
demonstrate the love of Jesus? Because if Jesus was angry with me every time I said something wrong, did something wrong, man, he would have snuffed me out a long time ago. But he is full of that grace and that's what keeps me coming back for more. That's what keeps people coming back to Jesus because he is so full of grace. He loves so much. He forgives so much. And we shouldn't say, well, it's okay. I, I can get away with this because he's going to cover it with his grace. Nope, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves with whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. That's harsh. So here he's saying, if you obey that, if you follow that, if you follow the desires of sin, you're following the leading of the enemy. And people will know that too. People will see that too. And how can we live for the enemy and live for God at the same time? We can't. There are so many things, you know, we find it very hard to watch TV anymore. Every single show has vulgarity, sexual scenes, whatever. They put it in everything now. Everything. They're putting it in children's shows now also. And, you know, I, I like a good war flick. But I don't need to see some of the things that they include in the war flicks. I don't need to hear it. I was in the Navy nine years. I'm, I know what people talk like. You know, it, the movies can be worse than what reality is. Oh, we just want to show how edgy it is. Um, it's not real, not reality. It, it's not that edgy. I, I can't express myself. So we were going to go to this um, Mexican restaurant and um, it's uh, in Scottsdale. And the title of some of the menu items all have a vulgarity in them. They, they put asterisks and stuff like that. But it's the F-bomb included in the title of their menu items. Wow. Are you kidding me right now? And it's all through the whole menu. I said, I don't want to go there. I, I like what the menu items are. I, the food looks good. I would probably enjoy the food. But I'm not going to go support anything that thinks that this is okay. You've just excluded anyone that, you know, is a believer or anyone that has, you know, any modicum of morality, they're not going to be comfortable with that. If I went there and sat down and I got the menu, I would be like, what? You know, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I don't know if I get up and leave right at that moment, but probably, you know, it was that bad. And so, you know, that's where we have to separate ourselves from the world. 
We have to be different than what the world is. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the light in the darkness. But God, be thanked that through you, uh, though you were slaves to sin, yet anytime I read a word off, I'm going to blame on my cataract. So, um, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. That's form of doctrine to which you were delivered. We were delivered to this doctrine. We were taken out of the doctrine of death, the world, and we were delivered to this doctrine. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Two key words here. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. They're past tense. When we become believers in Jesus Christ and followers of Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves of righteousness. It's a done deal. It's in the past. This is who we are now. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. If you're slaves of sin, if you're living in sin, well, you're free to live in sin because you're going to be judged by the law. But what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? What kind of fruit did we bear when we were living in sin? For the end of those things is death. That's what the fruit was. We were, you know, going to die because of it. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. That's awesome. We are bearing fruit. It's the good news. It's everlasting life. That's something that we couldn't get anywhere else. You can't plant a tree and get eternal life. But you can live in this world and be destined for death and never change that. Just continue living. You don't have to. How many people say, oh, I don't believe in the Old Testament. I don't believe in the New Testament. I don't believe in God at all. They have made a choice. They have decided what they believe. And it's not the truth. It's whatever they make up in their own mind. And that results in death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. You see, we continue to work 
in sin until we receive Jesus Christ. We're paying our way to death. That's what we're doing. We're earning death through our sin. And now we don't live that way anymore because we've received the gift. Notice it doesn't say the wages of Christianity, the wages of the relationship with Jesus that is eternal life. It's not wages. It's a gift. And you have to receive the gift. You can continue to decide to try to earn things paying wages, but that only leads to death. But once we receive the gift, now we have eternal life. That's also past tense. We received the gift. Eternal life began at that point. And so while we don't feel like we are living in eternity right now, we sure are. We don't want this to be eternity either. Because I don't want to live in this condition forever. Right? I'm looking forward to the new body. We're all going to get a new body. Are, are you looking forward to a new body? Some of you are working really hard on the body you have. Give it up. Because you're getting a new one. You're getting a new one. So it's okay, you know, but don't worry about that. Hey, hey, physical exercise, it profits a little, but spiritual exercise is what's going to have everlasting impact on our lives. And so this message that Paul, he's hitting this hard sin and grace. And we have been blessed with grace. We are not sin free as in we are now perfect beings. We're not going to be that way. Philippians 1.6 says that he who started the work in us will complete it. And that's when we will be sin free at that day. But until then, we're in trouble because we still occasionally sin. But then that's when we ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we just ask. And that's what grace is for us. That's how we live today. We can have peace in that. We don't have to, uh, you know what, I messed up again. I, I waved to the guy that just cut me off and it wasn't pleasant. And you know what, we can ask for forgiveness for that, you know. Lord, I, you know, for, I forgive him and, and Lord, forgive me because that was wrong, what I just did, how I responded to sin. Uh, you know, uh, not that cutting me off was a sin, but in my eyes it is. So um, now, now you know where I stand on driving. You know, we see the vivid contrasts in, in um, verse 23. There are two masters. There is sin and God. There's earning wages or accepting the gift. There's death or eternal life. All in one verse, it explains 
our existence, our life here on earth and what we have to look forward to. Amen.